Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Homestand Sports, a podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney. Who will remind you why John Tavares has 1,000 hollow career points. Wow, well... On today's show, we dish out the good and the bad from the Maple Leafs 4-0 win over Nashville on Saturday night. Is Matthew Nye the perfect linemate for Austin Matthews? Why is the Leafs power play so bad? And will Justin's favorite captain, John Tavares, score his 1,000th point against his former team? We got a lot to get to, so let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, he's Justin Pooney, and this is Homestand Sports. All right, Justin, so I have a segment idea, and I have a name for the idea, but mm. I don't want to release that name yet because I still got to go through the proper channels to make sure it's okay. Yeah. You got to make sure the boss are good with it. Exactly. It could be a controversial name. But <laughs> basically what it is, we look back on the weekend, we look back on a game, and we go through our good and the bad, and I guess sometimes the ugly. So let's look back to Saturday night. The Leafs, right. they beat Nashville in Toronto, 4 nothing, complete game, Samsonoff mm-hmm. shutout. It seems like everybody's happy. But I know you got some bad. I know you got some good, too. Where do you want yeah. to start? Let's start off with the good, man. It's Monday. Right. Let's start off the week on a good foot. I like that. Uh, good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs was Ilya Samsonov. Now, look, he only had faced, what, 18 shots, was the first start in the game. Uh, this is a complete – finally, we talked about we want to see complete effort from the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe Saturday was the first time kind of all season where I saw a really complete effort from this team. Um, but, Albert, regardless of the shutout, the confidence for me from Ilya Samsonov from this game on Saturday, getting a shutout, you know, he got the cage. We found out Joseph Wall is going to be out week to week with a high ankle sprain. And now that Ilya Samsonov knows he's going to get a bulk of the action going forward. We're going to talk about the leave schedule a little bit later on in the show, but for a guy who's struggled with confidence a lot this season, I think this was a huge, huge, huge piece of positive news and a good step forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs knowing that, Hey, our guy now, our number one goalie now, is playing with confidence. He just had a shutout. We played well in front of him. We supported him. We gave him goal support. The big boys stepped up. Matthew scored. David Camp continues to have a very strong season. Um, but yeah, this is huge for Ilya Samsonov, a guy who is so mentioned and talked about his own him in the public about how you know he struggled with confidence and stuff like that. You know we've seen him get pulled and blow up on the bench after he's getting pulled. To have that type of performance was strong, was sturdy, was a solid backbone of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Albert. That was the best news for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This this was the best outcome that could have happened this past weekend. To have Samsonov play that well, again, and to have the team play that well in front of him, that was exactly what the Leafs needed to do. So credit to Ilya Samsonov and credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs and Sheldon Keefe as a whole in front of him to make sure their goalie has confidence going forward through a difficult stretch up ahead. 
how do you feel after giving all that positivity and all that love to the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think I'm going to yak right now. Why are you giving your spiel if you see me dubbed over and like my like convulsing? It's I'm yakking all over the floor here. It's okay. So it's nice, right? Bias <laughs> aside, you're, you're you're a true professional. I'll give you props. For Thank that. you. I got to give <laughs> I got to give props to Samson off too. But I have him mm-hmm. here down as a good listen. He got a shutout. He didn't have much to do, and I think yeah. my good here, the transition is the entire team. Like you mm-hmm. said, complete game. It is still a roster decimated by injuries. You and I are super critical of this team, but I can't be too critical after that game. Even Sheldon Keefe said it. He goes, that's as of a tidy a game as we've played this season. And props to the team, too, for protecting Samsonov. The guy comes in low on confidence, hasn't looked good all season, um, mm-hmm. is probably understanding that he's no longer the number one. He's only in that position right now because the number one goalie in Joseph Wall is out injured. But he came in. And made the saves he had to make. I thought he looked pretty smooth on some of his movements, even though, like I said, didn't have to make big saves. But the entire right. team, I think, stepped up and protected him, even though uh, they're hurting with injuries. And they're playing pretty well. I mean, they won eight of their last 11 games. So right. got to give a lot of love to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I'll continue with the good. Yeah. And I'll go with the fourth line. You mentioned David Kampf. He looked mm-hmm. really good. He looked like one of the fastest players on the ice. He looked like he had a lot of ice to work with. The goal was a really nice one. Willie Nylander calling it a sick goal. I yeah. think, though, to take away a bit of what I'm saying, I think the Predators made him look better than he actually is. That That's that's not a slight against David Camp. I just thought they gave that fourth line too much ice. But the fourth line looked good. I mean, I thought that was one of their best games when Ryan Reeves was on that fourth line. And we've been critical of him, but mm-hmm. he looks pretty good. I mean, over the past few games, he's playing some hockey. He's not so much of a liability. Okay, he's still playing under 10 minutes, but that's kind of what's expected, being on the yeah. fourth line. I thought Camp was good. I thought Gregor was great on the penalty kill once again. It looks like Keith has turned another player into a really solid penalty killer. I mean, mm-hmm. it reminds me of kind of what Kerfoot, his role when he was on this team. And I think Gregor has taken that role. So yeah. I got to give props to the fourth line. No, I absolutely agree with you. Look, I think he's no Sam Lafferty in Vancouver right now, who's been probably oh, the, one of the best yeah. steals of all of all this whole season. But uh, look, really credit to David Camp, credit to the, the Toronto Maple Leafs fourth line. You know, this season we've been very critical on the secondary, tertiary, I don't know if it's the, the word is forciary, but like the, the bottom level guys on the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And, and not picking up the slack. You were absolutely right about David Camp. Watching him play, watching him fly out there. Um, and let's remember, Nashville was the hottest team in the NHL coming into this game on Saturday against yeah. the Leafs, right? And the Leafs put their best performance probably of the season, uh, I believe, on Saturday night. Um, and I think... That is exactly it. When the Leafs have four lines like that that are rolling and Sheldon Keefe can rotate his lines consistently, he doesn't have to bench guys or park guys on the be- and be scared to put guys out there. When you're playing like that, that's a good way to go, right? We know the NHL now is a four-line league. You have to be able to run four lines if you want to be successful. Gone are the days where you can park a certain line for majority of the game you need guys that could eat up valuable minutes and a guy like david camp and noah gregor guys that can you know play five on five that aren't liabilities and also can play on the penalty kill that is very very important for any team moving forward albert and i absolutely agree with you again this is very hard for me on a monday morning i feel my coffee is going to come up and all over the camp my webcam here because i'm praising the toronto maple Leafs so much and i can't hide it because they played very well and i was very impressed yeah, um, we have to do. We have to give them the love when it's we do. And a, a guy like and a guy, a guy like David Camp, who doesn't get a whole lot of shine or whatever, right, on this team because he's a fourth line guy and all of that, doesn't say much in the media, doesn't get any media attention really. But when he has a good game like that, I felt he was 
maybe the Leafs' best player, right, on Saturday. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that David Camp was their best player on Saturday night. I thought so. And if they can mm-hmm. get that secondary scoring, because from what I looked at today, I think the core four, and I hate saying I got to stop saying that. I really do. I hate saying it. But Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Tavares, uh, they have 47, I think, of the Leafs' 80 goals. So they need that secondary scoring. I haven't looked at other teams in terms of what their star players are doing, but I have to assume that that's probably one of the highest marks in the league. I'm just on cap mm-hmm. friendly right now. I'm trying to look at uh, David Camp's contract. Yeah, 2-4. 2-4 for the next four years. And I think that's maybe why Camp doesn't get talked about as much and he and mm-hmm. there's a negative towards him because he has that contract. I mean, no one likes the fact that a fourth liner is getting paid that much with that much term, but it is what it is. He's on the team. And listen, they trust him. At times, you see him on the third line in the playoffs. I thought he was pretty good. So it's not surprising to see Camp have a good game because he's had good games before. Um, let's continue with the good, and I'll wrap up on this one. Uh, Matthew Nyes. I'm honestly okay. beginning to think he's the perfect line mate for Austin Matthews. And it's mm-hmm. hard to believe this guy's only played 34 games in the NHL, 27 regular season games. He just turned 21. He's on the first line for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He leads the team in hits. Back checks, four checks, plays a complete game. Um, and I think that's what you need to do beside some of these star players. You got Matthews and Nylander, yeah. the skill guys, and then you have Matthew Nyes. The guy is going to get in front of the net. He's going to battle for pucks. He's going to win pucks. Um, he's not necessarily adding so much in terms of scoring, but that's not really his role. And he's never even been that type of player, even in college. I think mm-hmm. moving forward, he might be like a 20 goal guy, 50, 60, maybe 70 point guy at best. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's just, you know, he's a power forward who plays hard and gets the puck for the skilled players. So I got to give him a bunch of love for the way he's been playing. Look, Albert, I agree. Like, I don't think Matthew Nyes is going to be Austin Matthews or Mitch Martin. He's not going to be a that elite point producer. Yeah, but like you said, if he can get 25, 20, 25 goals a season, you know, kind of do what um, Michael Bunting did, you know, that kind of fill that role, right? Guy who can get 20, 25 goals, 50, 50 to 55 points like that. That's a variable that's a very valuable commodity to have on any NHL team. Anybody would want to have that. But I also want to give some love to Austin Matthews. He had the two goals, of course. Okay. But he was 10 for 16 on faceoffs, right? That is exactly what the Leafs need from their number one center. A guy who's strong in the faceoff circle. We know he's an offensive powerhouse, right? I think Austin Matthews had a very, I wouldn't say it was his best game, but he had a very strong performance as well on Saturday against Nashville. I actually had him down as a bad at first, mm. and then I took him off. Yeah. I know he scored, but he just kind of went unnoticed for most of the game. And then I thought yeah. about him. Like, do I have enough to say that Matthews had a bad game? And I didn't. Like right. you said, one face-off, he scored goals when you need him to score goals. Mm. Um, so, yeah, props to Matthew. That first line looks really good. I like Nylander, Matthews, and uh, Matthew Nice together. It's a north-south yeah. type of line, right? I feel like when Marner's on that line, it's a bit different. He's, He's more west. of an east-west player, right? Yeah. Am I wrong by saying that? But that's just how no, I feel. No, you're absolutely right. Like you're absolutely first line, right. I think Keith has found something with this first line where they're more direct. They're more Mm -hmm. in your face than they would be with Marner on that line. Yeah, I think when you look at it, you just look at the the physical stature of both Nyes and Austin Matthews. They're bigger guys, right? The stature-wise, they're bigger guys that can, as much as we say they don't want to, they can't handle the physical physicality, especially come playoff time, which, let's face it, is true, right? But in the regular season, these guys are big guys that should be able to use their speed and their power and their size to get to the dirty areas. And we saw that they play more of a straight line game where a guy like Mitch Marner, who is slighter frame size and is not willing as much to get into the dirty areas, plays more of that east-west style game. And that's just, again, because of their physical statures and the style of games they play. 
Yeah, when the ice shrinks, Marner loses his game, and that's what mm. happens in the playoffs exactly. a lot. He'll still rack up the points. He's that good where he can get those points, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily translate to to playoff hockey. So props to Keith. I think he's figured out a couple lines. I think the first and third line look really good. The second's all right. I, I'm, I'm waiting to see that line really click, and mm. we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. But moving up next to the next segment, let's talk about some bad. And I'm going to start with uh, one aspect of the Leafs offense that's really struggling and no one's really talking about. Okay, let's get to the bad. And we'll start with you, uh, Justin Pooney. And it has nothing to do with the game, but it has something to do with a player who might need a new contract. You know, they always talk about the Leafs may have won the battle, but the war is still ongoing. And the contract <laughs> war between William Nylander and Brad Tree living in the Toronto Maple Leafs might be heating up right now. So we're talking on Friday. And then afterwards, you know, I go home and enjoy the weekend in Niagara Falls. But I'm listening to content out there. And I hear Sportsnet's Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne talking about William Nylander's contract situation and essentially, I'm not going to read the full transcript, but basically what they're talking about is Nylander's agent, William Gross, is notorious for getting his clients to unrestricted free agency, right? We, of course, know Nylander will be a UFA at the end of this season, having a career year. Um, they're talking about they assume it will get done, right? And then but they mentioned former, um, or sorry, not former, but former free agents that were Gross's uh, clients, such as Brandon Saad. Tory Krug, Dumoulin, Nolachari, all these guys who aren't, aren't really in the same class as William Nylander, but all went to UFA at one particular point. And they mentioned, like, do they wait for a team like the Chicago Blackhawks, who have an abundance of cap space, have a young superstar in Connor Bedard? Do they kind of make a massive offer for William Nylander in free agency that the Leafs would be like, and Nylander's camp go back, so, okay, are you going to match this or what? That, to me, is a bad situation. If this dialogue and discourse is starting, right, this is something that can, especially in Toronto, can catch legs, Albert, and build. It starts off as a non-story, but then it builds into a big story as the season goes along and as the season progresses. Look, Nylander has been great this year. Again, this is so hard for me to keep on praising the Leafs like this, but if Nylander goes through a cold streak or the Leafs go through a bad streak, does this type of thing pop up in the media where they say, oh, well, you know, how's the, what's the contract situation like? Are you happy here? Do you want to be here? What about this report and that report? Because we know winning cures all and covers all the blemishes. But if the Leafs start losing, Albert, be wary that this contract situation might pop up and rear its ugly head. So this is not a good situation for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. If I'm Brad Tree Living and I'm, you know, Brendan Shannon, I'm trying to keep on calling the Nylander camp and get a deal done as soon as possible just to avoid any potential distractions in the locker room or anything like that because this guy's been playing really well, and if you want to have success, you're going to need him to continue to play at the pace he's on. Well, by all accounts, right, yeah. the conversations are ongoing, and it seems like, according to a lot of reporters, Chris Johnson being one of them, yeah. uh, I think Friedman has also said that they both expect Nylander and the Leafs to figure something out. So I'm mm -hmm. going to... I'm going to be under the assumption that it's going to happen, even though I'm not going to be naive. Anything can happen. We've seen Nylander hold out and not play because he didn't yeah. get his way in terms of contract. So I can see it happening again. But like I said before on this podcast, if it gets to January, actually, no, not even, let's say, let's say, yeah, January, February, and mm -hmm. they're nowhere near signing a contract, you have to make a decision. You cannot let this guy 
walk for free. And that's the scary part. But I'm, I really think he's going to end up signing. Do I think it's going to be the right decision? Probably not. Is it going to be the price that you know most people think it should be? No, it's probably going to be more. It's probably going to be north of $10 million, which to me is, is it's too much for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not saying he's not worth it, but I just think it's too much. And it's scary to think that, listen, if they don't get this done, they go past the deadline. If I'm Nylander, why would yeah. I sign? why would I sign a deal before the end of the season? Because now I can just test the, the open market, like you're saying, and yeah. there's going to be tons of suitors for them. So the Leafs are potentially right now uh, could be going into a bad situation. But as yeah. it stands right now, I think I think the Leafs are in a good spot. Nylander talks so highly about Toronto. He mm-hmm. said that he wants to be here in the past. So I, I'm just going to assume that he's going to want to sign you. But Albert, that's the thing. Like you mentioned, it. does he? That's why it's so important to the Leafs to try to just get this done now and avoid that chance of him getting to unrestricted free agency. Because look what happened in Calgary with Johnny Goudreau, right? They didn't get a deal done. Then at the last second, they tried to offer him a godfather or the biggest offer or whatever. But by that point, Johnny Goudreau just decided, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. Now, Toronto and Calgary are totally different markets, totally different cities, totally different in every piece of the imagination. But does a team like, if you allow him to see what else is out there, maybe the grass might be greener to William Nylander elsewhere, right? Maybe he gets his own more shine in a bigger city, right? That could be something that could intrigue him. So that's why I'm saying that it's so important for Bradtree Living and these guys to get on it and get on it quickly um, because you don't want to leave anything to chance. And that's it. He's a rock star. He's a rock star in Toronto. Where else is he going to be doing Subway commercials? Not Subway sandwiches. <laughs> actually being in the Subway for Rogers Telecommunications. Yeah. That's There's a lot of perks is. here in Toronto. Like I said, he's a rock star. He's a superstar. He's a global star, obviously, mm-hmm. in Sweden as well, which is appealing to any team, appealing yeah. to the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. The fact that they can have, you know, a guy and sell merch in Sweden and Europe and go there right. and sell out tickets and do all these things. So it's appealing to a lot of teams, but I think especially to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But like I keep saying, man, the club, the organization – is always above the players. And I think the Leafs need to take some sort of stand at some point with one of these players. Don't let these guys walk all over you. I'm not saying that's what Nylander is doing. But if he's waffling and it's difficult to sign this contract, then you have to move him. You know who, where my stance is on this? I would I move Marner before I move Matthew. Matthew. Before I move William Nylander. But that can't happen. Marner's got a complete no move. I, I highly doubt he would even consider going to another team. That leaves you with Willie. And like I said, if he's waffling over a contract, let him go. You got to move. You cannot let this guy walk away. You can't overpay him because the cap will not let you do that. I don't even care how high it gets because the Leafs are in a tough situation at the moment. Look, Albert, you're saying I told you on Friday, man. Mitch Marner to Philadelphia for Bobby Brink. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, it, that's insane. First of all, <laughs> that's insane. But right. how do you get the guy to, to wave that no move? I, like I said, it's the same thing. If we're gonna, if we'll touch on this Marner thing quickly. Like, if Marner knows that the Leafs are wanting to trade him, does he be like, okay, fine, trade me to a team that's going to offer me the best contract, right? A team like, again, Philly, hell, maybe even Chicago, right? If they offer Nylander, tw- sorry, not Nylander, Marner, twelve million bucks over eight years or twelve plus, right? Would he, would he not take the money? Right? That's a lot I, of money. I have no idea. But I, at the same time, there's no indication that the Leafs want to do that. I don't think the Leafs want to move him. I don't think they have any interest in doing that. See what happens in the playoffs. Right? If if Brandon Shanahan, from the report that mm-hmm. we heard after Dubas got fired, called right. these core four players and some players on the team saying, don't worry, no one's going anywhere, that tells you everything you need to know. Shanahan wants these guys to stay. As long as Shanahan is here, these guys aren't going anywhere. 
That's just kind of how I see it. If I'm reading in between the lines, Justin, that's how I see it. I think this is Shanahan's team. This is his plan, the Shannon plan with these guys. He wants to win with these guys or he goes down with the ship. And I think that's going to be the case until, you know, either Shanahan leaves or maybe they move one of the guys, but I just don't see it happening. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Martin to Philly. Martin to Philly for Bobby Brink and Rasmus Ristolainen. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. I got two more bads from the game. Um, Power play. No one's talking about the power play. I don't know what's going on. Guy Boucher has taken over the power play. And this was the second best power play in the league last season behind the Oilers, who I think ended up having the best power play ever, right? Yeah, they had historically the best power play. Yeah, okay. So pretty good power play. They were one for five against Nashville. Last seven, Justin, two and 21. That's nine and a half percent. Just two goals on the power play since that Chicago Chicago afternoon game on a Friday. The one, yep. I'm not sure what's happening. They started off the season, I think, with plans of having John Klingberg quarterback that power play. Obviously, that mm-hmm. didn't work. He's no longer playing for the team. He's injured. Morgan Riley was demoted to the second line, now back on the first line. I'm just not sure what they need to do. I don't know if this is just a slump that they're going through because when you have Matthews, you have mm-hmm. Nylander, Riley, Tavares, that's a heavy-duty uh, – Mitch Marner, that's a heavy-duty power play. We've yeah. seen it be really good. I, I don't know what what's going on with the drop-off. They're not getting great chances. They struggle to break the zone at times. So I'm just wondering if there needs to be some sort of change to this to this first power play unit. When the second unit comes out there for their, you know, 15, 20 seconds of fame, they're moving the puck around really quickly and really well. They're just not getting as many chances. I'm just wondering if you throw maybe a Max Domi in that line, who's an excellent passer. Maybe you throw Bertuzzi or Matthew Nyes to get him in front of the net. I'm not sure what needs to be changed, but something does because the power play isn't good enough. Yeah, you know what, Albert? When you look at the power play, I find like, look, there's still what top half of the league, what 23%, 23.6%. I think they're 10th in the league, yeah. 10th in the league, yeah. So they're not the Washington Capitals who are at like 8% for the season. So, yeah. but when I think about the power play and I think about especially special teams, when there's so much footage and so much emphasis on it, right? When you look at the Leafs, they have such a big talent pool on that first, they, they load it up, right? All the big boys are on the first unit. Sometimes you try to make the extra pass or the extra, you know, move or whatever. And I find that sometimes with the Leafs, right? And rather than just playing it simple, the Leafs try to overcomplicate the power play a little bit. Maybe that's the system. They want to, you know, make the right play. They want to make sure everybody gets their shine or kind of whatever. But when I look at, and I, I've been watching the Oilers a lot this year too. I find them susceptible to this as well, where you have so much talent, right? On the ice that you kind of expect to score every time you get a power play. And you not fat cat it, but you try to overthink it, overanalyze it. And like you mentioned, the second unit, when they're out there for their 15 or 20 seconds, they're snapping around quickly, moving, yeah. trying to, you know, just play. They're not thinking, they're reacting, right? When I think when the first, a lot of teams, and this is not just the Leafs too, but a lot of teams, when your first unit is out there, because you load it up so much, you tend to overthink it, try to make the extra too cute pass, the too cute move right here, where, you know, it should be as simple as sometimes find the open lane, get a shot on net, have a net front presence. If you're going to get a screen, do that. Sometimes it's just, it's that simple. But Guy Boucher and the Leafs have to go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out ways to maybe not change the whole philosophy of it, but kind of tweak it, reinvent it. Maybe that's a different type of zone entry rather than the traditional zone entry they're doing it now. Do you try something else, right? Figure things out. Adjust. Try and practice, right? And I think right now with the Leafs, because I don't know if it's going to be something that they can work on this upcoming week because they have so many games. But as the season goes along and as we progress, it's also a confidence-based thing too. If this power play starts clicking, then they can start scoring in bunches, right? 
Um, but as for the X's and O's type of thing, try different things. Try a different zone entry and stop overthinking it. Just react and play. Take what the defense is giving you because you have a man advantage. You're going to have an open man. Try to find an open shooting lane and just play it simple and then watch. You're going to start scoring. Yeah, we'll see. And I mean, one of those things I think has to do, maybe John Tavares is in a bit of a slump who's on that first power play unit. Two goals in his last 15 games, only mm -hmm. one power play goal. I'm not trying to put everything on him. I'm just trying to find a reason why this isn't working. Okay, I got one more bad. And this is not really a bad. You, you might say this is stupid, but I'm going Max Domi. And he just has to shoot. He was in on goal against Nashville, mm -hmm. like one-on-one -on -one with the goaltender and decided to try and make a pass. I think it was to Nick Robertson or Callie yeah. Arncroft. The guy loves a saucer pass. I don't know if he's trying to break Gretzky's assist record. I'm not sure what he – he's amazing passer. Yeah. And I feel like if you talk to a lot of NHL players or just hockey players in general, right. nothing beats a nice saucer pass. You played the game, okay. right? Yeah. A nice saucer tape to tape. Who doesn't like that? But I feel like Domi is is 100% pass and then shoot. But I just feel like in certain positions – and he was mad with himself on that play. He needs to shoot a lot more. I think he'd score a lot more goals. Albert, do you think that has anything to do with confidence, though, this year? Because so Domi's taken 33 shots this season. Of course, has the one goal. That's a 3% 3% shooting percentage, right? Yeah. Do you think that because he's only scored the one goal and he's been, you know, mired in that big slump all season, that affects his confidence to shoot the puck? Maybe. Right? Maybe. I, yeah. I think I think that's the situation. But as much as he might love the saucer pass, I saw Tom Wilson on a two-on-one -on -one with Alex Ovechkin this past weekend and had no hesitation to shoot the puck, right? <laughs> I think yeah. that's just a straight confidence type of thing where when you have confidence in your shot and you're shooting the puck and you're finding, you know, the puck's going in the back of the net for you, you'll shoot from wherever and whenever because you know that puck has a chance of going in. With Max Domi, because it hasn't gone in virtually at all for him this season, I think that's why he's so hesitant to shooting the puck. And that's why you mentioned he's a pass first guy. Look, Domi has a knack for score. He's proven he can score at not a high clip, but he could score at the NHL level at a decent clip, right? This year, for whatever reason, again, the pressure and being Ty's son and all that stuff that I've talked about since the beginning of the season might all be it. But for me, the fact that he's not shooting the puck, it's strictly confidence-based. Strictly confidence-based. The reason is he's only got one goal in the year and he's not shooting the puck because he's scared to shoot the puck. So he'd rather pass it off and let somebody else take the credit or the failure of missing. Yeah, that's a good point. Listen, I just, like I said, I think he should shoot more and maybe he will. Um, I think he's been playing well recently. I like that third line. I think another line that Keith found that works really well, him, Yarn Croak, and Nick Robertson, who's yeah. been able to stay with the club. So I got to give him their props too. Okay. After the break, let's talk about uh, the schedule ahead for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll talk about John Tavares going into Long Island on Monday night, Justin Pooney, trying to become the 98th player in NHL history to score a thousand points. Will he do it? Okay, Justin, big week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They got a back-to-back -back on mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday. Then they got Columbus on Thursday and Saturday night. Kyle Dubas in town with the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time since he left. No one actually cares. I just wonder if he's going to have uh, maybe an interview or sit down with somebody to talk about the fallout with him and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll have to wait and see for Saturday night. Mm -hmm. But the big one coming up on Monday night, it's the Leafs in Long Island. Tavares back. In New York, we know how the fans feel about him. They hate him. He's going to get booed every time he touches the puck. But we have a bit of a storyline here. He's two points away from 1,000, um, and he can do it. I mean, two points is very doable against mm -hmm. the Islanders right now. Not a great home team. Uh, they've been better over the past 10 games. Um, but before we get into whether or not he'll score those points, 
your thoughts on his career and, and maybe his, his Leafs career so far? Because I know you're not his biggest fan. No, and I think, look, I said it at the top of the, sh- at the show, he's got 1,000 points, or he's going to get 1,000 points, right? 9.98. Yeah, well, we can assume he's going to get to 1,000 either this week or next week or something, right? Um, the most, the nine, he's one of those guys where he's got a great numbers, but there are a lot of hollow numbers, Albert. When I look at John Tavares and I look at his, that. sorry? You got to explain that one. I'm about to explain numbers. it right now. I'm about to explain it right now. When you look at this guy, when he came in to the NHL, remember, he had that great World Junior Tournament in Ottawa, right? He was, you know, exceptional status in the OHL, you know, racked up a whole lot of points with the Oshawa Generals. Um, he was, you know, the clear-cut number one pick. The, he's kind of, I wouldn't say he was like on McDavid or Bedard level, but he was fairly close to that when he was coming into the NHL, right? He was expected to be the savior of the New York Islanders, you know, bring them back to relevance. They went to the playoffs three times in his tenure with them, right? They made it past the second, the first round once, right? When I look at John Tavares and when I look at when, you know, he came into the league and the expectations, and even when he came to Toronto, right? He was the hottest free agent in the NHL. He could have gone to San Jose, could have had his pick of the choice. He picked the Toronto Maple Leafs. He picked the added pressure of coming home to play for his boyhood team, the team that he rocked the pajamas to sleep with and all that disgusting stuff anyway <laughs> when i look at john tavares and his career yes he's got the numbers yes he's you know played for team canada at high stake events yes he was the captain of the toronto maple leafs yes he was the captain of the new york islanders albert but what impact has he had in the nhl right what was his biggest impact when you think of john tavares's career right his career what was his shining moment right what was the moment where you're like this guy right here is one of the best players in the league. This guy right here is worth the big money contract he got. This guy right here is, as the kids say, him, right? We talked about how, you know, I don't think he should be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs anymore last week, right? But when I look at John Tavares, and I look at his career, and I, he'll be in the Hall of Fame because numbers and all of that. But what lasting impact did he have? What what did he do to the game or to the teams around him to make them better, right? It, it, when it matters the most, regular season-wise, as an individual, but I'm saying in the playoffs, did he ever elevate his game and take over a series or take over or have one of those, like, iconic moments? I don't think so, right? And again, this is hockey. is a team sport. You can have, again, 98 guys in the history of the NHL have hit 1,000 points, right? So a lot of guys have had a lot of hollow stats. A lot of guys have had a lot of, you know, seasons where – or careers where they put up big numbers, but it doesn't mean anything. I think John Tavares just falls into that realm where he put up a whole lot of numbers, a lot of played a lot of seasons, longevity, but he never truly made an impact. And I think when you look back at when his career started and how he came into the league, kind of is a disappointment. Um, I would say, I mean, he's a really good player, a really good consistent player. I wouldn't say he's great. Uh, I agree with you on certain points. I don't think he should be stripped of the sea. That's not happening. He hasn't been that bad of a captain. I, well, I'm not sure what like your expectations of a captain are. I get what you're saying. There are other captains out there who mm-hmm. do a lot more. He's very quiet. We don't know what he says in the dressing room. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you want him to perform better. But what what I really hold against him, and it's kind of unfair because he didn't pay himself. The Leafs paid him that $11 yeah. million cap hit every year, um, which makes him the seventh highest paid player in the league, which is crazy. 
So I was looking at some stats, and I know we try and go beyond the stats here, but the stats mm-hmm. speak volumes sometimes. And over the past six seasons, Tavares is 24th in points in the NHL. And for a guy who makes $11 million a year, I know he's not the most prolific player, but that's just not good enough. I mean, you look at some of the players that are ahead of him, you're going to love this one. JT Miller, Mark Shifley, Braden Point, Kyle Connor, Mika Zabinijad, Johnny Goudreau, Barkov, right? I think players, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, players that you'd expect John Tavares to be better than and be yeah. probably more productive than. That, that's not the case. And I think he was brought here, obviously, to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, be a strong presence in that locker room. He came in when Matthews and Nylander and Marner were really young, so he's helping those guys along as well. But more so, I thought he came in to help them get over this playoff hump. And what? Okay, they've won one playoff round since he's been here. He scored the game six winner last year to send the Leafs to the second round. But if you're looking at playoff points per game in the Tavares era, and I got this from The Athletic, out of the core four, and I said it again, out of Nylander, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares, he's last with less than a point per game in the playoffs. And for a guy that's making $11 million, just not good enough. But I feel like at the same time, you look at the other side of the hand, you got to give him his props. I mean, the guy's about to hit 1,000 points. You know, less than 100 players have done that. So he deserves a ton of credit, but I don't necessarily think he's lived up to his end of the bargain when it comes to uh, his career with the Toronto Bay Police. Not yet, anyway. He's only 33 years old. Albert, he's never had a 50-goal season. I think his career has 47. He's never touched 90 points at all, right? So, again, longevity, playing at a point-per-game pace, pretty much. That's a very good NHL career, right? Is it uh, – was he ever one of the – during throughout John Tavares' career, would you ever have said he's a top five or top seven guy in the NHL, right? No, no. Maybe during a current period when he was in Long Island. But for an extended period of time, John Tavares really has never been, you know, one of the elite of elite in the NHL. And like you mentioned, he's getting paid the seventh most amount of money on per bit per annually, and he doesn't produce at that level. So, again, great career, but when you're getting paid that much money, like you said, it should match up, especially when guys who are making a couple million less than you keep on outproducing you mm-hmm. uh, consecutively, not only in the regular season, but also in the playoffs as well. Yeah, look at the, some of the names below him in terms of salary and, and just, right? Johnny Huberto, who's who's yeah. kind of dropped off, but he's been a good player. Carey Price, I think his his price tag is probably well-deserved. Jack mm-hmm. Eichel's now got a cup. Kopitar, stud. Barkoff, stud. Sagan's got a cup. Um, and then you start looking at Goudreau and Zach Rowinski, and you're like, oh, okay, those guys shouldn't deserve to be paid that much either. So <laughs> I think I don't want to say I really don't want to say disappointing career because he hasn't had a disappointing no. career. I think maybe I agree with you in the terms that his expectations were sky high, like almost like I don't want to I don't want to say Crosby, but maybe it, it was though. You think so? No, that I, I mean, Crosby was coming in as like the next best thing, but the, the next Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, but I think I think where they're on par in terms of expectations mm-hmm. is you'd expect Tavares maybe to have one or two cups by now, and he has zero. I think when you look back at Tavares, remember he? I remember that World Junior Tournament in Ottawa. I forget if it was two thousand nine or two thousand ten, one of those years where that he dominated that tournament. Now again, it's the World Juniors, but World Juniors it put him on the pedestal. And, you know, he had, he was the guy in, you know, coming out of junior hockey as the next one. Right. And I think he didn't live up to those. Again, it's hard to live up to those expectations, right? Only guys like McDavid, Crosby, Bedard, and maybe in like Lindros have lived up to that. But, you know, he just never, he was never the guy in the NHL. He was never the 
you know, the elite superstar in that group. He was a very good all-star level player, which is still a very good career, but he was never took it to that, that sixth gear. You know what I'm saying? Like where he was like, you know what I have, I, you, there's five guys in the league. I'm one of the five guys in the league, that type of thing. Right. Would you look back at his Leafs career as so far as a failure? Yeah. Cause he's the reason I, he's the reason the Leafs have not won a Stanley cup. He's the that reason. Con- that I told, I've, the Leafs have not, or not a Stanley Cup, or not even playoff success. The Leafs have not had a greater amount of playoff success because of the John Tavares contract. That that's, that's, hamstrung them like so I much. Like I said, he didn't, he didn't pay himself, though. Again, but... You know what I'm saying? Didn't do, I understand, but he didn't do... He didn't take his game to the next level to prove that he was worth that $11 million. Yeah. Right? That's why I hold it against him. Yeah, I agree with you. He hasn't held up his end of the bargain in terms of, of what he needs to do in the playoffs. Regular season, fine. I mean, you're going to get mm-hmm. your points. You're playing with some of the best players in the world on that team. You're going to get your points. Right. But And the playoffs is where, it, where it matters, and he's not performing. So we're going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. If they make the playoffs this year, which is expected, it's another chance for John Tavares to try and shine. Okay, quickly, uh, the Leafs have uh, 10 games in the next 20 days, which means we're going to see a lot of Ilya Samsonov, obviously. We don't know right. um, when Joseph Wall will be back, but obviously Samsonov getting the shutout, got some confidence. Um, we're going to see Marty Jones probably mm-hmm. on Tuesday night against the Rangers. I think this is a great time, especially after that result against Nashville, for Samson off to find his game. I think he really, really needs to. And I think it's good that they're playing essentially every other day now to get in some sort of rhythm. So I think the schedule is kind of working out perfectly for the Leafs and Samson off. He has to hit the ground running as soon as possible because you, you cannot be giving up any more ground in the Atlantic to any team, especially even in the wild card race. I know it's early, but it's important. Yeah. Decimated by injuries on the back end. You're using your backup goalies, your second and third string. Let's see what they can do. Absolutely. Albert Leach had 10 games in 20 days. You're going to get in a rhythm. And as I mentioned before, when you're a goalie, rhythm matters, right? Like it it, it matters to play every other day, to get in, to get in that, that flow, that game type flow. Where every other night, you know, you're going to be in the, in the net. You're going to get the crease. You're going to have to be the last line defense for your team. And for a guy like Samson, like we mentioned off the top of the show, confidence is such a big thing. It will only help as he gets more reps in and plays a lot more and gets back into the flow of being a number one goalie. Quickly, Tavares gets his thousand point against the Islanders. No, he gets no. it. Against, he gets it against Columbus on Thursday. <laughs> on Thursday night, I'm gonna go. He gets his two points. Okay. He gets his two points against the Islanders. He gets a thousand points and becomes <laughs> the greatest captain in NHL history. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Wow. Okay. That's... <laughs> All right. I think we've reached the end of the show. We did. That's it from us at Homestand Sports. Thanks again for listening. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Thanks for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian. He's Justin Pooney, and this has been Homestand Sports. Homestand Sports.